This episode of Boy Meets World is episode 13 from season one, and it's titled Risky Business. And the synopsis from Disney Plus is Corey and Sean risk money on a horse race. <laughs> Title's a little succinct, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's straight and to the point. Um, I feel like they could have elaborated on this a little bit and talk about some of the lessons that they're about to learn in this episode, because uh, it does have a pretty good lesson. But yeah, straight to the point. Um, we open up this particular episode in the classroom, and uh, the kids are talking about this $1,000 imaginary investment that they're playing with for their assignment. And up at the front, you have Topanga and Minkus, and they're explaining that they invested in companies that don't discriminate uh, towards race, sex, or bad karma, as Topanga puts it. <laughs> and they even draw this little line graph about their progress with their investments. And it uh, Topanga has the line graph end with a smiley face, which I thought was pretty cute and funny. But what I didn't understand here is were they making imaginary investments and following like the stock market of real companies or was this entirely imaginary? Because I didn't think I picked up on that. Um, in order for the project to work, it sounds like it would have had to have been real companies because if it was like made up by the students, they would have just said, oh, they doubled every day and we right. turned that thousand dollars <laughs> into a millionaire, to millions and now we're living in a yacht. Like, yeah. So it, it had to have been um, fictitious within or real within the show, but fictitious in, in real life. What I got, the, the impression that I got from this was that it was entirely fictitious. And I thought that maybe Feeney just wanted to see their imagination or like how they applied logic to it. But they didn't give us any indication they were following real companies. So I don't know. <laughs> they didn't mention anyone they invested in. They just kept everything really generic. But uh, yeah, at the yeah. same time, though, when Corey and Sean went up there, they, they could have completely BS not having any work if it they was all have. their imagination. That's true. But when it comes to school, they're about as clever as a bag of rocks. Though. <laughs> um, so so uh, Feeney asks which company is next. And like both Corey and Sean get nervous because they don't want to be called on. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but Feeney does not call on them. They voluntarily get up and walk to the front. Oh, I did miss that. I mean, <laughs> it, it is a show. Who else is going to go up there and present? Yeah. <laughs> right. Only four characters allowed to talk. Oh, I'm sorry, five, because mm -hmm. you've got to count Mr. Feeney. But they walk up, and they draw this like completely horizontal line and they, to show their total lack of progress, not only with their investments, but their thought on the project. Yeah. And Minkus says, you know, from his front row seat, they haven't even started yet. And Feeney says, no, like as if he, you know, sarcastically can't believe it. So I, I have to ask, were you a procrastinator yeah. when it came to schoolwork? Yeah. Oh, definitely. me too. Big time. <laughs> it, it, it's the hardest thing to get over too. It really is. Um, like I never, I don't think I ever kicked that habit. Uh, except like there was like some rare occasions where I got to do um, maybe some independent study about something I cared about. Mm -hmm. Maybe something like that. I would jump right in. But yeah, I was really bad. Like I'd be doing book reports uh, on Sunday and started reading the book on Saturday and trying to rush through it. Yeah, I was the same way. And, and it got difficult mm -hmm. because you learn in like middle school and high school that that type of effort is enough to get by with the B or an A. It's not the That's same true. in college. Yeah, man. <laughs> but I, I recently learned a new word. You, you ready for this? I'm ready. Procrastivity. 
It's when <laughs> you, you procrastinate doing like a, a specific job that needs to get done by doing yeah. other things that need to get done. So if you really don't want to mow the lawn, you decide to vacuum instead because it's a little bit more desirable of, desirable of an activity, but still needs that. to get done. Yeah. So you're making progress. And at the end, it's like, I just didn't have time for that thing I was supposed to work on. Yeah, even though that other thing was probably more important, you found other things that were kind of important to take (laughs) up that time. And I I think I'm bigger with that than I am just straight procrastination. I'm going to be honest with you. I think in the real world at work, people do that a lot. Uh Uh-huh. A ton. Like their boss or whatever. Or like even... um, because I used to, you know, do help desk work down to simple help desk stuff. It's like, let me get all the easy tickets out of the way first. And then, you know, multiple days go by before you even touch that more difficult one. <laughs> when when I was it, so. a lifeguard at a major uh, water park within our area, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention the name. <laughs> I would, like, at the end of the Dude. night when it was time to close, like, I would tell the supervisor, oh, I'm going to go take care of this, knowing there was something a lot more, like, bigger and more disgusting that needed to get done but i'm like oh i'll go take care of this and like yeah go ahead and i would leave that job for somebody else that wasn't smart enough to figure that out (laughs) (laughs) that was a real go-getter right (laughs) that's awesome after the bell rings in class feeney tells Corey he wants to see some real effort and Corey says effort is my middle name and sean before he walks out and he says you know because it starts with an f (laughs) And <laughs> that's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. And that's uh, that finishes our opening scene here. Any other thoughts before we keep going? Um, n- no, we start to see that Minkus likes Topanga or yeah. like really likes her. Yeah. Um, which um, comes back later on more and more the as very the next episode <laughs> or season. Yeah. Yep. All right. So in our next scene, we're in the hallway mm-hmm. and Minkus is talking to Topanga and he's just so awkward. And uh, he says to her, I'm glad our company is making money because as the future mother of our children, you are going to live in the lap of luxury because I am a provider, babe. And that's what uh, this 11-year-old says to the other one. Yeah, which and, uh, he should be smart enough to know that Topanga doesn't want someone to take care of her. She like wants to be no. her own unique individual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she's strong and Someone so smart, yeah. so stupid. Yep. And Topanga just kind of stares at him. Um, Corey shows up and says, anyone can draw lines and pretend they are making money. And see, that's the thing, too, that brings me back to my challenge of whether or not they're looking at real businesses at all, because I think it's all 100% fictional. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So uh, Minka says, you know, you guys are big talk because you're bigger than me. But when it comes to using your brains, how confident are you? And uh, Sean says, more confident, confidenter than you. And Minkus challenges them to invest some real money in a wager. And Sean and Minkus start negotiating the amount of money that they're going to be betting here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I guess Topanga thinks that this somehow still applies to their fake business because she tells Minkus that she's an equal partner and she'd like to have a voice in how much money now that they're going to be betting here. And they're like throwing figures back and forth and the boys are trying to keep it to... When I say the boys, Sean and Corey are trying to keep it to a small amount of money. What was Minkus's first figure? Like a thousand dollars? It might to? have been. I remember the 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 number that Topanga throws Topanga out. Topanga said, "Yeah." So Minkus tells he to try to convince Topanga um, you know, to 
uh, to or try to get uh, her opinion on the wager, he says it's me versus them in a battle of wits. And then how much does she tell him to bet? Three hundred thousand. <laughs> and that's when Corey finally gives up and says, "Okay, ten bucks it is." So I think Corey was trying to keep it to like under his five dollar mm-hmm. a week allowance, and but he settles on the two weeks worth of allowance. And Minkus says, "There's a sucker born every minute." And then Topanga looks at Corey and Sean, and Minkus says, two in that minute." Yeah. So uh, the the reason why I took note of the three hundred thousand that she that she threw out because there's two different uh, negotiating styles, at least that I remember yeah. from one of my from one of my classes. There's foot in the door, and then there's door and face. And the foot in the door, like you might see this with like your kids, where they start off small where they might ask mm-hmm. for like a Hot Wheels car or something that costs a dollar. And then as yep. soon as you're like, sure. And then you're like, well, it needs to race another car. So can I get two? And then <laughs> that turns into them wanting like the whole Hot Wheels racetrack. So they started right. small and then they build up bigger and bigger and bigger. So that would be yeah. foot in the door. And then what Topanga did was more along the lines of door in the face, where you start astronomically high in order to drive the actual price up. So if Corey was thinking five dollars. As soon as he heard three hundred thousand, he's like, "You know what? Maybe ten dollars doesn't sound as bad." <laughs> so yeah. now that you you're familiar with that, like be on the lookout because kids are notorious for those two strategies. <laughs> yeah, you can't like you can't just buy one Ninja Turtle. There's no. four of them. They need mm-hmm. their brothers. You mm-hmm. know, you can't just and have then one if you get all four, you need Shredder, and you That's need right. um, they need a bad guy to fight. Yeah, Duh. Splinter. Of course. Splinter, then Shredder. Some foot soldiers. There has to be like expendable foot soldiers. And then once you have them, where's uh, Bebop and Rocksteady? I know. And how are they going to get to where they need to go? They need a car, some sort of vehicle or a van, right? Or the the blimp. (laughs) So now that we successfully transitioned to Ninja Turtles. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) Has the new video game come out yet? (laughs) Yes, and it's awesome. I'll have to see if I can find uh, it. It says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. You can play up to six players. Um, And what we did was Lacey and I played the whole game together and we got to the final level, which we could not beat. Mm -hmm. So we turned on the online mode and let people join us. Oh, wow. And one or two people joined us and they taught us something we didn't know you could do because we never watched play the tutorial. You could revive your partners when they die. So we were just like running out of lives fast. So the person came in and he was reviving us. And then we actually beat the last level. So then what we did was we became what I call like mercenaries for hire. And we would look for people on the last level playing, you know, by themselves with one other person. And we would jump in and help them win. So we helped like, uh, had to be somewhere close to 10 people beat the game. So would you say that's not a game you could beat on your own? Uh, wow. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Not that last level because it goes from one boss fight to another. Gotcha. So, and uh, the final boss, obviously, being you probably guess like Super Shredder. Yeah. And he's just unfair. Like, you might be able to master the pattern. And if you do, it would probably take you like an hour just to beat him, it feels like. I could be exaggerating, but there are certain games where like boss battles can take 30 minutes or more. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was, uh, other than that, great. It pulls out all the great elements from the original Ninja Turtles on Nintendo and also from Turtles in Time, you know, on uh, Super Nintendo. Yeah, classic so side-scroller style. Oh, dude, it's it's fantastic. So I highly recommend. On that note, Lacey's obsessed with Ninja Turtles. She had a Ninja Turtles birthday party. 
we got her like a bunch of Ninja Turtles toys for her birthday. So she still watches it. She's still into it. That's we awesome. Like there was a 2012 series, which I don't know if you would have had any reason to see it. I bought the whole thing for her like on <laughs> iTunes so she can watch like all five seasons or so because mm-hmm. they, they disappeared off Hulu and she just loves it. And then she's watched it all the way through multiple times. So that's been worth like every penny. Did, did you start off by just buying the one season and then she asked for the other ones? No, I bought the whole darn thing because it was like, it was like fifty or sixty bucks for all of them. Okay. Where usually it's like twenty bucks a season. I was like, oh, this is no brainer. Um, gotcha. Yeah, and it, dude, each season is like twenty some episodes. They're not like thirteen or not 11. bad at all. Yeah, it's a lot. So, um, oh, all right. So as we're getting back to Boomy's <laughs> world here, <laughs> all right. So after that, uh, Minka says, you know, sucker boy in every minute. Two in that minute, they. Her so after he says that Minkus and Topanga walk off, and Corey says he's basically ready to kiss his allowance goodbye because you know if he's in a battle of wits with with Minkus he knows he's going to lose. And Sean says his uncle Frank knows horses and um, you know for horse racing, and he says if they put you know ten bucks on a five to one shot, bingo bango, they'll have fifty bucks and they're movie stars. <laughs> Pretty sure he said, <laughs> and we're movie stars. And Corey said, and this is an interesting reference. Corey said, if your uncle knows how to make money this easy, how come he lives in a trailer? That's the truth. It is. Uh, I wonder which uncle this is. Because we do get. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah, damn it. You got me. Yeah, it is Uncle Frank. Um, we do get to meet Uncle Mike later. Yeah. And pretty sure he lives in a trailer. I guess all of the hunters. Maybe this is a Frank Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be my guess. Because. Like, I think you're right. Later on, we find out the whole trailer park is like hunters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we meet uh, his uh, estranged brother, too. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to them right. in a later season, though. Sure will. In our next scene, we're in the kitchen and Corey's panicking because he bet a whole week's allowance on a horse race. And, you know, Sean's at the, the kitchen table with him and he has a radio and he's listening for the horse race results. And Corey says, my lungs can't take it. I got gastritis, <laughs> which did not click with me at all. Isn't that like a stomach issue? Gastritis? I, that would be my guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyway, of course, he has to say something stupid, like when he held his heart and said his uh, his appendix hurt yeah. an episode or two ago. Um, and there's there's a Valentine on the table. And this is there to establish our secondary storyline, which, yes, thankfully, unlike the last two episodes, we actually have two storylines in this. Mm-hmm. And Sean starts reading uh, this Valentine. And it's from Amy to Alan. Yes. And it says, uh, roses are red, violets are blue. Valentine's Monday, let's rendezvous. And uh, apparently, Amy calls Alan, what is it, boom, boom? That sounds right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um wait do, or do we have that backwards no i think that's it yeah i think amy calls alan boom boom yeah I, I glanced over Hold that on. part no 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 i think he's Pooh bear and she's boom boom no it doesn't freaking matter <laughs> it, it might matter a little bit later when i when i quote it but screw it all right so anyway so um you know cory explains that they're they leave like romantic notes for each other um you know because as a parent, that's all you have left, is how he puts it. And Sean says last year his dad rotated his mom's tires for Valentine's Day. 
And then they finally get the results for the race. And Sean goes nuts because they won. And they do the math in their head. And apparently they won 99 bucks. Ooh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. What were the odds to win 99 bucks? Um, well, they bet like nine bet bucks. $10. I would say 11 to one. I thought I bet. Was it 10 bucks? I, I bet 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, I really don't well, know. I was like, I, I got uh, distracted by the names of the horses. There was Tuna Melt, Hot Wax, and Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> I, I think horses are, are allowed references? to have the coolest names. Like, yeah. And even though they seem ridiculous, I'm sure there's rules that they have to follow. But yeah, like Tuna Melt is like a ridiculous name. <laughs> like by a nose or like it is rainbow tails. Like they can have just like two words that don't go together and just mash them together. And there you go. You have a horse's name. Well, tuna melt's actually a thing. Yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> but like, I'm just talking in general. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm sure there's and... a uh, a horse out there named like Lamp Fan. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, they they both start going nuts because they won money, and uh, Corey's mom Amy Amy walks in. And Corey grabs her and says, we won. And Sean quickly covers and says, it's the Flyers. It was sudden death, an overtime goal, and very exciting. And Amy says, you guys act like you had money on the game. And Corey <laughs> does this fake laugh and goes, oh, mom. And uh, Corey's smiling, but he's not breathing. And Sean has to instruct him to breathe because he's just... I guess so excited that he won this money, but also doesn't want his mom to figure it out. Yeah. And Amy starts reading the... Uh, the Valentine note, and she says she has to get a, uh, a babysitter. She actually uh, offers Corey to babysit for $2 an hour, which, man, that's a terrible rate. Even as a sibling, that's just awful. <laughs> but uh, and, but since he just came in the money, he says, no, keep your money. He's like, treat yourself to a nice dress, and I will, uh, <laughs> and I'll take care of Morgan. Um, any other comments on that before I keep going? No, just the Flyers are terrible. I'm pretty sure they were terrible that season, too. Because when yeah, was the shot? Like early 90s? I I already was. forget. It was. I think it was like 92 or 93. Okay, so, so that would have yeah. been right around the time they were turning things around. Yeah. But they're, I think they were still pretty bad that season. The first season of Promise was their 1993-94 season. Yeah. That's when uh, it was a shortened year and Eric Lindros got the Hart Trophy. Mm-hmm. It was like a 48-game season because so, of the lockout, I guess. Yeah. yeah. They were right around that time frame where they were they yep. were transitioning. That's right. All right, so they uh, they celebrate their money um, that they won in this horse race by doing their goofy little dance. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of the one that they do uh, when it goes do 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 do, and they move back and forth. I don't know if that was ex- if it was that exact dance, but do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. They they do it like I think three times up until. Like season two starts like episode one, but they act like it's something they were doing all the time. Yeah. But we don't get to see it that much. But uh, so Eric walks in and sits both the boys down and uh, and he asks them, would this bother you? He says, your name is Brianna Henshaw. You're the best looking girl in school. One day you see me at inadvertently stumble into your best friend, Debbie, and accidentally kiss her. Why won't you go out with me? What the <laughs> heck is this? <laughs> What is this? Like, <laughs> how stupid is he? And why would he ask them that? It doesn't even make any sense. I know they're trying to get in like a uh, a third storyline here, but what the heck is going on? <laughs> why would he ask his, his little brother and his little brother's friend this question? 
Yeah, especially since they they get to the point later on that they don't know anything about love yet. No, they don't. And actually, the funny thing is, he makes that very clear in the next episode. Like so. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Sean, um, his answer to Eric is, "I'm a little bit country, and you're a little bit rock and roll." And Eric walks away and goes to like the uh, the island countertop. Corey says, "Like that, Eric has to take a risk." And without taking a bold risk, he's never going to get anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he he would know because he is Risk Boy. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm pretty sure throughout the season, he comes up with a bunch of names for himself. <laughs> I guess that's the one thing Everything from the gets... first season that, that followed through to later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be like a, a name or a title with everything. Like it's like a caricature of himself. Yeah. So, yeah. So next scene, we're in the classroom and Corey and Sean are at the front and they're there with Mr. Feeney. And they say, uh, after careful market analysis and strategy, we bet on tuna melt to win. So they they chose tuna melt. And uh, Minkus is appalled. He's like, you gambled your $10? And Feeney says, it's $1,000. And Minkus is like, oh, right. You know, trying to cover up the fact that they actually have a real bet going mm-hmm. And Feeney confirms, you know, you invested on a like, like in a horse race, and Sean said, "Yeah, and we won." And Minka says to call the police because it's illegal for them to gamble. And Feeney says he has a point, and Corey says, "Well, yeah, good point, little nerdling." But in this world, you know, we're pretending to be real men and women, so it's legal for a real man or woman to to make a bet like this. And uh, yeah, Feeney says that. They demonstrated a basic tenet of American free enterprise. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. So, And he obviously has no idea that they actually bet real money on this, and they're just using you know, their real money experience to have some sort of explanation for their project. Yeah. I, I don't know if you noticed, but that smiley face was still on the background in the board. What smiley? Oh, Really, from the, uh, the well, one that Topanga drew? Yeah, either that or Corey drew another one to to taunt them. But either <laughs> one's possible, know. right? <laughs> I probably would have drawn the happy face just to like give them a little wink. Yeah. So uh, there's a little comment that ends this scene here. So Corey says, uh, like Corey and Sean say, risk, 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 reward, reward, reward. Basically saying, you know, bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Mm-hmm. And Minka says, oh, please. And Topanga says, I think they were very bold. And Minka just looks so disgusted and he calls her a gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anything else about this short classroom scene before we keep going? Um, I think that might have been the first like inclination that we got that Topanga might like Corey. Huh. Maybe. Which is completely thrown off in the next episode. <laughs> it is. It totally is. So, yeah, she, um, I would say, like, she's, I guess, open-minded and mm-hmm. appreciates the fact they took a risk. But, yeah, it is uh, It is strange. Also, she's supposed to be really, mm, what's what I'm looking for? Looking for a better adjective than hippie, but I can't think That's of That's the first word that came up to, in my mind. Um, Damn it. Free-spirited. <laughs> um, sure. Okay, so not how about as, this? Um, she seems like the type of person. That mm-hmm. wouldn't typically support men getting on a horse and beating them so they win a race. Yeah. Like animal abuse, you know? Seems like she's someone who would be an animal rights activist. I agree with you. Right. 
Um, and every other part of her character says hippie. And there's even an episode later where uh, where Sean has a pet pig. <laughs> and Topanga is all about getting the pig out of his hands and into a farm, you mm-hmm. know, because she believes that that's the right thing for the animal. Yeah. But they haven't really established that. But again, you know, continuity, not the strong suit of the show. Yes. All right. So in our uh, next scene, we're in the living room. Corey and Sean are on the couch eating Twizzlers. It looks like the pull it and peel Twizzlers. I don't know if you noticed this. Pull and peel are definitely better than the standard ones. Yeah. So they don't taste anything like regular Twizzlers. N- no. Yeah. One is like chalky, gummy. And the other one yeah. is like sweet and chewy. Yeah. I uh, I always liked regular Twizzlers. And when I got the pull it and peel ones, I was like, well, this isn't a Twizzler, but it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's what it looks like they're eating. Um, but they were eating, I think, them like in the traditional way, not pulling them apart. I feel like you got to pull those things apart. Yeah. And eat them Enjoy them a little longer. Story, right. Right. It's like getting Polio spring cheese. Oh, oh my God. Polio. Uh, string cheese and just biting right into it yeah you know you gotta you gotta pull that thing apart yeah monsters yeah exactly <laughs> so so um cory remarks how they have a hundred dollars and an a from their project and it just doesn't get better than this and eric walks in and calls himself a dating god and tells them to worship him and uh cory says with that big head he might just float upstairs and eric explains that he got the date and um, and Corey thinks he's to thank for this. And and Eric explains that he should be thanking the locker company because he stuffed himself inside Brianna's locker and basically just waited for her in there. Um, and Corey said, Corey says, when I said take a risk, I didn't want you to become a stalker, <laughs> which, is, which is dead on. He says he waited in there for three periods. So he skipped a bunch of classes too. <laughs> and he said uh when she came back from math, uh he was in there as her compact bundle of love. <laughs> yeah, dude. Every grade I was in school that we had lockers, which is basically six through twelfth, mm-hmm. I was waiting for the lockers to be big enough, like they are in Saved by the Bell, where you can go stand in one. They just slide right in. Not only were they not wide enough, they were not even full height. There were lockers on top of lockers. They're like half lockers. There's still probably one or two kids in our grade that we could have fit in one. There's no way, dude. Come on. Like, (laughs) no, no. Because as soon as they bend their knees, they would be too wide for the darn thing. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But still, it's incredibly creepy to think like, like, why would that get somebody's attention? I don't know. Especially when you already are upset with them, so they hang out in your locker and wait for you for three periods. Yeah. So I wonder if she went to her locker between each period, and she's like, oh, my God, he's still here. <laughs> just <laughs> left them there. I, right? Like, I have to just tell him I'm going to go out with them, so he'll get out of my locker. <laughs> yeah. Like, what happened she didn't go back to her locker the whole day? Was he going to stay know. there till the next day? He would have slept. He stayed there the whole night. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> she would have came back, and they would have had, like, a dead kid in her locker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take him on a date like Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> take this dead Eric. Yeah, out. they could take Debbie and her. Can take her out then. Take him Ooh. out. <laughs> Have a whole spinoff show from yeah. it. See, they missed an opportunity. Yeah, they did. Um, so Corey says, "Greater the risk, greater the return." And uh, they find another note. This time, Eric finds it, and it's a note that's just kind of like taped above the fireplace, and it says, "Dear Pooh Bear," and I wrote it's from. Alan to Amy. Okay, so that does mean that Amy is Pooh Bear and Boom Boom is Alan, which 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't like either nickname anyway. <laughs> um, and the poem says, "Blue is the blue is the violet, red is the rose. Wear that sexy cologne and meet me at eight o'clock at the place he proposed." <laughs> And they look at each other like the poem sucks. And Sean says, uh, you know, poetry is not boom, boom, strong suit. <laughs> and uh, and then Eric starts to do a a poem. And he says, there once was a guy in a locker. And Corey says, who just got a date? What a shocker. And Sean says, you're a real chip off the old boom, boom, which I thought was funny. Yeah, I, I thought Corey's response was funny, though. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. <laughs> And then Corey asks Sean to contact Uncle Frank um, and you know, says he's wasted like 12 years you know, of not taking risks, which I thought he was 11. <laughs> pretty sure he's just 12 here. And I'm also pretty sure they say he's 11 years old in the very next episode. I anyway, think you're right because they said they're going to be 12. Yeah. So anyway, so maybe he, maybe he was rounding up and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt or they don't know the age of the kids they cast. But... <laughs> And uh, he starts talking about all these um, all these old rules that he had as a kid. It basically told him not to take risks, such as don't swim after you eat. Don't read in the dark, which I didn't understand that one at all. What the hell's risky about reading in the dark? Think maybe it'll strain your eyes and you'll need glasses. Is that what it was? I'm guessing that's the implication that he was if, told. If you want to read in the dark, you just get a book light or something. Yeah, I don't or know. Or a flashlight. I, I, that was weird. How about like don't sit too close to the TV? That would have been good. Yeah, that, that's more Corey style, right? Mm-hmm. Don't sit too close to the TV or go blind. But and also, don't stick your head in the ball return. Yeah, that's just completely dumb anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a whole movie about that, isn't that that Kingpin movie where the guy sticks his gets his arm stuck into uh, a ball return? I haven't I'm seen that movie in here. a while, but I do yeah. remember it being funny. Some sort of gambling debt, and they mm-hmm. stick the guy's hand. Oh in. yeah, yeah, and then he has like a hook it's, for a hand. And yeah, it's Woody Harrelson. I'm yeah, sure. and it's about an Amish bowler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, all right. So he says he's been playing it safe his whole life. You know, where where has that gotten him? Here in a room with you, and looks at Sean. So they say, big risk, big reward. Bigger the risk, bigger the reward. So, uh, and they said that Feenley finally taught them something that they can use, and. Sean asks him if he wants the if they really want to risk their one hundred dollars, and Corey says, "I want to live," which I don't know if that's a reference to something. But he I says feel it like in it is. Way that makes me feel like it is, or maybe it's just a common thing to say. Yeah. I understood what he meant, so maybe that's all it is. Any comments about this before we move on to the bedroom? No. All right, no. they're in the bedroom and they got the radio with them, and they're listening to the radio, and it says something so sad: the Flyers were swept by the Mon- by Montreal six to three. Now, they said swept, so I guess they mean eliminated in the playoffs. Yeah, which you can't they're sweep in February. someone six to three. But go ahead. Yeah, they're in the middle of February. Playoffs don't start until like April or May. So maybe they used swept as in like got trounced, or you know? maybe it was the end of their their season series and they maybe, lost. But we don't really a handful do that in hockey. Them. We don't really do that in hockey. No, <sighs> it's more oh. We, term, the season well, we series. Might say it. Normally, you do that within a team within your own division. So, yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins beat us in the four games they play us in a season. You could say they swept us in the season series. Yeah. All right. But it still Fair seems enough. a bit odd. Yeah, by the way, uh, Montreal won the 1990. Wait, hold on. They won the 1993 Stanley Cup. So, Did- this was right about that time where they're really good. So Patrick Wall and company. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
92 was Pittsburgh. That's what threw me a little bit. And then New York Rangers, 94. Anyway, um, Corey says, ah, forget the stinking flyers and, uh, you know, give me the fifth race at Pimlico. Is this a real racetrack? No clue. Okay. So, and the radio starts to say, and the winner is, and it says like, nah, or nah. And then Corey is so excited as he picks up the radio, it unplugs. So they mm-hmm. never hear the name of the race. And apparently the name of their horse that they bet on was, do you remember? Oh, I didn't write it down. Oh man, you disappointed me. It's neck flap. <laughs> I, I remember one of the horses' names was actually Nuh. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, so their horse neck flap. They're not sure if it won or not, and they start looking at the like the paper for the horse race names to see if any of the other ones started with an N, where they could possibly just deduce that it was their horse. And apparently, there's a Nuh and a bunch of other names that begin with an N. So uh, Sean calls his Uncle Frank for the results, and Corey is upset. He's like, oh, the smart man, he was on nah. That's probably the one that won. And um, and Corey, I'm sorry, and Sean says, Uncle Frank just says, we won $680. And Corey says, let it ride, like he's at like a, uh, a casino or something. Yeah, start like dancing. playing craps or, or something. Yeah. Yeah, so we basically does one of those fade outs like we're breaking for a commercial, but we come right back to the room. You want to make any comments on what just happened there before I go into the detail? Well, you, you completely bypassed Sean's uncle's name, Frankie Tutos. Frankie Tutos? Yeah, they added <laughs> a little bit more details. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> now, my question like is, is that Tutos total or Tutos on one foot? <laughs> I mean, that can make a huge difference. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's on one foot. Otherwise, balance would be really bad. Uh, yeah, I, so. I don't know if I'd want to bet money with somebody named Frankie Tutos because I'd be wondering, like, what's going to happen if I lose and I don't get him the money quick enough? Right. Or how many people did he stiff after losing bets? And is that why he's losing? Yeah, dumps? exactly. <laughs> Doesn't sound like somebody too trustworthy. No. All right. So when they come back, Corey's counting the money on the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they say he counted like 12 times. And Sean says he's going to go get dinner with some of the money. Corey tells him to get a receipt because it's a business dinner, which I thought was funny because I don't know if any kid would ever think about that. Expensing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how yeah. would you even know? Like, I didn't think about that sort of stuff, like businesses and employees going out to dinner and expensing it and stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, they I have real know. money on the line, so they don't want the other person to think like, like if they say they won six hundred and eighty dollars with their business yeah. ventures, they want yeah. to show that it was six hundred and eighty dollars and not six hundred and sixty because they spent twenty. So, right. So that'll keep the the running total up to the six eighty, I guess. Right. So the next thing, the phone rings while Corey's in his room, and Corey now is acting like an like he's addicted to gambling, mm-hmm. and he says like. Uh, Two to one odds that 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 phone rings again. And of course it rings again because most phones (laughs) ring at least twice before someone picks them up. Yeah. And he says, I can't lose. And he picks up the phone and he answers it. Matthews and Hunter, entrepreneurs. And it's his mom asking where Alan is. And Corey explains that he left the house dressed up nicely. And I'm sure she's going to see him a little while. Mm -hmm. So then Morgan walks in and she says, you're busted. And uh, Corey thinks he's busted for gambling. And she says, I know you're new at this. So I'll cut you a break. You're supposed to entertain me and points at him like at his face. So I thought she was really good here. Yeah. And uh, really cute. And Corey says, forget it, you rug rat. And another call comes in and 
Corey says five to one odds. This is dad. And he picks it up and it is his dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's looking for Amy and Corey explains that Amy's already there waiting for him. So if he just looks around, you know, he'll find, you know, his mom. So then Sean calls, I don't know where he's calling from. Uh, but, uh, I, I guess it's from the restaurant. They picked up a phone in the side of the restaurant, but he says Lenny Dykstra is having dinner at Bob's two checks pizza world, which I have a problem with. Um, right away. I'm willing to bet time with us are two separate problems because I do too, but I have a feeling yours is different. Okay, so number one, Bob's Two Check Sports World was the name of the place in the charity episode. All right, and ah, the one where he that. talked about, yes, he said Bob's Two Check Sports World had to back up two trucks or whatever. How many different businesses does Bob Stuchek own? And even if he did, are you going to like, if Models opened a restaurant, if the owner of Models did, would it be called like Models Burgers and Fries? You know what I mean? Like Models Sporting no, Goods? No, I'd call it Modellis. Modellis. even But even like when the same entrepreneur owns two businesses, he doesn't name them both after himself because people will confuse them. Because they don't call it Dick's Sporting Goods. They call it Dick's. You know, they don't call it like... Um, Oh, give me another one. Like Lowe's Home Improvement Store, they call it Lowe's. You know, um, so well, you would just confuse people by using the same name. But all right, what's I mean, your problem? With I, this? I guess a good example of that: the Waltons yeah. own Walmart, Sam's Club, and I think Lowe's. I'm not 100 percent sure not on Lowe's, the Lowe's one, but definitely Sam's Club and Walmart. Yep. The so Sam Walton names. one was after his first name. One was after his last name. Yeah, where's the creativity here? Just come up with something else. I mean, we, we had the La Bougia place or whatever. Yeah. Just give it a different name. Well, anyway. My ahead, issue with it. This? So this is an yeah. episode about gambling, right? That's right. Lenny Dykstra was investigated for sports gambling <laughs> in 1991. <laughs> Do you think Dude, that was intentional that they picked him? Know. Or just because he's like the biggest name on the Phillies at the time? I don't know. Um, was Pete Rose already in trouble by then too? Oh, yeah. He was? Oh, yeah. Man, I feel like that was the more higher profile one but lenny dykstra was current at that point was he yeah dude yeah it had to it had to be you know what even if it was um maybe it was like a freudian slip you know like oh let's just name a philadelphia philly because uh, it's I'm not the first that time lenny dykstra's come up in the show yeah but like it just happens to be there and like he's on the frame of mind they're talking about gambling and they didn't really mean to do it yeah so i i knew he had issues with gambling so i went back and checked it out and yeah he was investigated in 91 for sports gambling, mm-hmm. they deemed that he never betted on baseball, but I, I didn't see anything that said he didn't bet. So, yeah, he, right. he had a gambling problem. Wow. All right, so uh, Corey wants to go see Lenny Dykstra at the restaurant and get his autograph. And uh, so, and he wants Morgan to stay because she won't come with him. Like, she, I think she locks herself in the bathroom because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to go with him. And he says, I'll bet you five cupcakes that you can't stay inside without getting into trouble. And she raises it to six, and he says it's a deal. So Corey leaves, and Morgan runs downstairs. And she confirms he left by opening the front door. When Morgan sees that Corey's gone, she goes, oh, cool. And then she leaves the front door open. And then she immediately goes and puts on some music and starts to dance on the couch. And Morgan's just shining here, dude, doing like this silly dance with this doll of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, just just nailing this. And uh, she throws the doll behind her, you know, seemingly accidentally. And it, it hits like this piece of furniture, which has a vase on it. And that slams into the back door, which has made a glass. 
So the vase drops, the glass in the door clearly breaks, and she puts her hands on her face like, oh, no, what did I do? And makes kind of like this screaming face. Yeah, the Home Alone but face. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. The Home Alone face, no noise comes out. But um, you're getting like little laugh tracks as this whole thing's going on. And it's just a cute scene with her. Yeah. It's shot a little bit different than the others, which I really appreciate because it's all just like musical. Um, so then she runs into the kitchen and um, well, like it was musical up until, you know, she broke everything. Then she runs and she's just, like completely silent. But mm-hmm. she runs um, into the kitchen and just leaves out the back door. And as the audience, you don't really see where she goes. Yeah. So. The the scene fades away and comes back, and Corey and Sean are walking in the open front door, and they have Lenny Dykstra's rookie card, which they say is a signed mint rookie card, and it's been signed by Lenny Dykstra, which, just for the record, that card's now not worth anything. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, the whole no point of what a the mint value card, of the card is for is. it to be completely untouched. I'm pretty sure they just destroyed it. You don't get you don't get mint rookie cards signed if they're worth anything in the first place. Maybe you get the plastic signed on the outside, but yeah, you don't do that. Yeah, but, I was never really into collecting cards, so I really don't know. Well, we um Kyle and I used to be like, but we only collected hockey cards, right? Uh, we went to like a we used to go to this place. It was attached to the mall close to us, mm-hmm. and. Uh, they the guy sold hockey cards. He had once sold the Wayne Gretzky rookie card of like there was only three in the world. He sold his for like ten grand. Oh wow! Yeah, I think it sold for a lot more since then. And there's <laughs> uh, there's cards from other sports that sell for a lot more than that. But yeah, you know, to us that was like a huge amount of money, and it still is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so Corey realizes that he got in the house and the door was open when he got back, and then he looks at the back door and that's open. The glass is broken and Morgan's dolls on the ground right by it. So he starts to panic and he runs upstairs looking for Morgan and he's yelling for her and he can't find her. Then he runs out the back door and he finds Mr. Feeney in his yard and he explains he did a terrible thing and he took a risk that he never should have. And Feeney thinks he's talking about the project and he says, calm down. It's just imaginary money. And Corey says, no, no, it's, it's his real baby sister. And now someone broke in and kidnapped her. It, it didn't occur to me right away that this was supposed to look like a kidnapping. Once I heard that, I was like, Oh snap. Like that, like he would just be a wreck if that's what he thought happened. Yeah. And I mean, when you're a kid like that, your mind automatically jumps to the worst possible. Of course. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to lie as an adult uh, with, when you have kids, like Mm -hmm. you're, you still do that, (laughs) you know, like you think of the worst thing that could happen because you want to try to react if that's the case as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to dilly dally. Like if you, if that happened and you're coming home looking for your, your son or daughter, first thing you do probably is call the police and then you start looking, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you, you call the police right away to get that, that ball rolling. Yeah. But anyway, um, Feeney had seen Morgan. And he said, she's in the treehouse. So Corey climbs up in the treehouse quickly and just gives her a hug, which was really cute. Yeah. And, um, and she's saying to herself, "This is bad. This is bad." Because you know, she and that she did a bad thing. And Corey says, "No, he's the one who did the bad thing by leaving her alone." And Morgan confesses that she broke the window. And Corey says, "The he'll tell mom and dad that he did it because it's his fault for leaving her alone." And he says, "I promise I won't let you be in trouble with mom and dad." And then they hug each other. And uh, and this more serious and also um, very sweet scene is ended with a small joke where Morgan says, I hope you don't plan on going into babysitting professionally. 
So what do you think Corey would have gotten in more trouble for if he had broken the glass or they found out that he left her alone by herself? Uh, left her alone by herself. Yeah. So by taking the blame for the glass, he's actually saving his butt. Yeah. Yeah, he is. But, but, uh, hmm. But then she might have gotten in some trouble. Mm-hmm. But actually, he might have taken the heat off her, even with the 100% truth. Mm hmm. So, uh, and they don't, he doesn't get his cup, his comeuppance for that in this episode. Like he doesn't, he doesn't actually mention that he left her alone. Did he? Or where he got that money from. Yeah. To fix it. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, so we fade out from this scene and we come back and we're in the backyard and Amy and Alan are coming back from their date and Amy is really angry. And she says, she's like super embarrassed that, that Alan forgot where he proposed and, uh, you know, in time, she might forgive him. And Amy says that she went to Phil's Grill. What a nice place that sounds like. Well, I thought that's where Alan went, and she went to the fancy restaurant. No, you're right. You're 100% right. Yeah, Alan went to Phil's Grill, and she went to the fancy place. You're 100% right. And uh, then Amy realizes, uh-oh, that is where he proposed. And Alan is now upset because, you know, he realized he was right, and she was making him feel bad, you know, for not remembering and Amy reveals that she went to Shea LaFleur. Yeah, it sounds because right. Because that's where she was at once, one time, proposed to by Mark Braithwaite, which I think is so funny that they give these people like full names and everything. Like mm-hmm. they go through that trouble. But yeah. And so now they're in a fight. And Alan asks if she accepted the proposal and has another set of family in Indiana somewhere. And he says, are Vera, Chuck, and Dave waiting for their mother to come back after stepping out for gum 18 years ago? Is this a reference to something? Like when he's saying, like, do you have like another family? Or, or that was like so detailed. Is that a reference to a movie? I, I don't think so. Gum? I just think it was him giving her a hard time. Okay. By being right. more specific. Yeah. yeah. When he said Vera, I was like, wait a minute. And I thought for a second, wasn't that like Sean's mom's name? But her name is Verna. Yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty close. Um, so Amy and Alan walk in and Alan asks what happened because he sees the back door is open and the glass is broken. And Corey says that he broke it and that he's to blame and he's going to pay for it himself with his own money. It was gambling winnings, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Alan asks how he's going to afford that. And he says he would tell him, um, but, you know, the the yelling they would do at him for telling him the truth would wake up Morgan because Morgan's in his lap and he was reading her a bedtime story as they walked mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's, you know, she just looks uh, very sweet as she's just sitting in his lap sleeping. It's, again, a nice scene between the two of them. So, but uh, just for the record, even with her asleep, I feel like the parents in real life would be pissed and would still be asking him questions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They would go put her to bed right away and be like, you have answers to give. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else about that before we keep rolling? No, we we can move on to the next scene. Next scene's back in the classroom, right? That's right. So we're in the classroom, and uh, Feeney says, based on performance figures, it seems that the Matthews Hunter Consortium is the most profitable corporation they have. And asks the class, like he asks if they have any tips for the class. Um, and Sean says, "Some people bet on a jockey. I say, give me a horse that can run in the mud." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, Feeney says, oh, bravo. And uh, and then Corey 
Corey says, you know, just like you taught us, the you know, greater the risk, the greater the potential profit. And Feeney says, yeah, sometimes the glitter of profit makes someone, you know, lose you know sight of the risk. And uh, and Corey says, you know, you should never gamble anything that you can't afford to lose. Mm-hmm. And Feeney adds, well, I didn't teach you that. And Corey says he kind of managed to trip over that one himself. Yeah. And then the bell rings and um, the, the class is over and they leave, but Minkus is still in his seat sulking. And, uh, and Sean walks up to Minkus and he says, you know, Stu, uh, you know, I was, when I was busy counting money, I completely forgot to give you your Valentine card. So, and he hands him a Valentine and says, here you go, big brain. And then, um, so it's just Minkus sitting in his seat and Feeney's in the classroom still. And this is so sad. This is so sad because Minkus asks Feeney if he should open it because it's probably something mean. So Feeney says, you know, sticks and stones, you know, may break your bones. And Minkus looks at him like, yeah, right. You know, this thing still hurts. And Feeney goes, yeah, I made that up. And uh, Minkus opens it as Feeney looks over his shoulder to read it. And it says, happy Valentine's Day. Turn around. <laughs> and then what happens next, Mark? They they shoot him with like Nerf balls or whatever. And it's again, guns in school. They like have a running theme. Yeah, right. Feeney's loaded so, too. <laughs> yeah, yo, Feeney reaches under his desk and he grabs like his own Nerf gun and he starts like pumping it at them like ferociously. The look on his face is so great. I- I'm assuming he confiscated that from another kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that but, occurred to me too. It had to be. It had to be. But which would mean so he- Corey and Sean are going to lose theirs. Like That's at right. no point when we, we, we were in school, was anything like that acceptable? No, you could not shoot anything at a teacher like that. Dude. No, <laughs> or even bring it to school. No, absolutely not. Yeah, but they, they were pelting him and Minkus, and and Feeney just went back at him and fend them both off with just one gun, mm-hmm. like a boss. So he got them good. But you are right. Like, we couldn't, like, we got to a point where things were very careful. You couldn't say certain things. Mm-hmm. Not like, you, you might even jokingly say to a friend, I'm going to kill you. you know? Yeah. Or even you might even say it in a sport like, oh, we're going to kill you. You, We got to a point like in school where you weren't allowed to say stuff like that. Uh, it wasn't policed super well, but um, like I it think was allowed to say. Columbine happened right around the time that's we were right. in sixth or seventh grade. That's that's what I was referring to. And, yeah, that was right um, after Columbine. Yeah, the definitely changed. zero tolerance at that point really meant zero tolerance. That's right. So. Yeah, it was a strange time. Mm-hmm. Uh I remember like being legitimately worried and people would wonder like who in our school would do that, you know? Yeah. And you, then at least occurred to you. Yeah. Like it occurred to you, like where it wouldn't otherwise occur to you. Yeah. Not that you actually like sweat it, but and then we also had bomb threats. Yeah. Multiple. Right. They were never real. Basically just gave us a, an excuse for like kind of a, an unplanned fire drill. Yeah. That's essentially what it was. Yeah. Anything else about that classroom scene before we go into the final one? Uh, No. All right. So our final scene's in the living room. And uh, Corey gives a rose to his mom and says that he bought it with whatever money he had left you know, mm-hmm. from, the, from the gambling. I don't think they still know that he was gambling. Pretty sure they still don't know. Yeah. And uh, Alan walks in and he sees the rose in Amy's hand and says, is that from Mark Braithwaite? And, uh, and she says, no, it's from Corey Matthews. So then Alan pulls out a dozen roses from behind his back. And um, Amy asks, you know, what are, the, what are these for? And Alan says, you know, for the worst Valentine of my life. And uh, he said, other than Margie Dwyer, you know, telling everyone in the fifth grade that he had cooties and they threw his cars away. <laughs> what a 
bad experience, you know, for a fifth grade kid. I just wrote like, damn, like that's really harsh. Oh yeah, it would be Twice a terrible person. <laughs> like, especially like at that age, like you're, yeah. you're starting to think like you're in that mindset. Like, what does other people? What do other people think of me? Yeah, especially like that preteen and, and teenage year. You're very much concerned with that. Yep. Now, I always wonder if there's if this were like when they get these names, Mark Braithwaite, Margie Dwyer, if they're actual names from somebody's life. They, they might know, be referencing like people the that they they know, or they might just open a phone book. They could just make it up. They could just make it up, or it could be from, or they could like take, for example, I would take your first name, Mark, and throw it against like you know someone else's last name and be like, oh, Mark Smith, you yeah, know, do something like that. But so, um. Alan says to Amy, you know, I was thinking you might have been proposed to twice, but you only said yes once. And I'm glad it was me. And she says, of course, what we're expected to hear, you know, she says, well, what makes you think I was only, you know, proposed to twice? And then they start like, you know, playfully making out to, yeah. to end the show. And that's all we, uh, that's all we get from this one. Um, what'd you think? I think it was run of the mill, early nineties sitcom fair. Um, yeah. wasn't like groundbreaking, but it was, wasn't bad either. It was so. better than the previous two. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. Um, now just to kind of catch up on stuff we talked about the last time, did you look into any of the alien stuff we talked about, Mark? No. No. Did you ever find the YouTube video or whatever for, uh, the, the poorly subtitled, was it Christmas Carol? I remembered it up until the next day, then completely forgot. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I right. saw, send me a text tomorrow and I'll look for it. All right. No, I did try to find it. Mm -hmm. um, but like I tried to find it as in I'm intentionally looking for something that knows it has bad subtitles. Yeah. And the subtitles like would be listed as such in the description of the title. And I struck out. Like I definitely found some old looking Christmas Carol ones, but I was scrolling through to be like, When's you, you know, when Scrooge going to drop the F-bomb? And mm -hmm. uh, I really wasn't uh, seeing what I thought I was going to see, so I quit. But I figured I'd eventually get a direct link from you. Yeah. As long as it still exists. I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, I thought it was um, one of the more entertaining ones. Um, thought it was funny that Corey got away with the gambling thing. Yeah. And touch on the fact that uh, gambling's bad or, or a bad idea. We just let that one hang out there. Yeah. You can actually be profitable. They were actually promoting it. Right. Like, yeah. Gamble. Bet on horse races. You'll earn money, but don't, you know, don't take risks with your family. All right. That's actually, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah not people bad. can get down with that. Lesson learned. Right. Don't right, bet man. your little sister. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Any other comments about this? No, I think we've, we've covered it up. We learned the lesson. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, again, as always, thank you for joining me and see you for the next one.